You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to The Worship Review, the Christian podcast which evaluates the texts of worship, music, and songs sung in the church. My name's Tyler. I'm a linguist and a former worship leader, and I'm joined, as always, by Colin. Hi, I'm Colin. I'm a history professor at a research university in the Midwest of the United States. And we've just wrapped up a six-week series on Christmas-slash-Advent music, and we're returning now to our fourth series, which is looking at songs that are popular in the church right now. And today we're taking a look at a song called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me by City of Light. It's a mouthful, Tyler. <laughs> it sure is. You've it's... got two different uh, <laughs> conjunctions here in the same... What's your function? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's funny because it's like this super long and kind of complicated title, but then the name of the artist is City Light. Yeah, one word, one word, but it's a compound of two words, city and a light, the adjective, A-L-I-G-H-T. Right. And I thought, are these German people that are speaking English? But no, <laughs> they're Australians, I think. Yes, they're Aussies. So this song is credited to City Light, Johnny Robinson, Rich Thompson, and Michael... Farron. And I like to get to know, as as you do, Colin, the minds behind the music. City Light uh, is a ministry of St. Paul's Castle Hill, uh, which is a church and part of the Anglican Diocese of Sydney, as you said, in Australia. And Tim Challies recently interviewed, uh, recently meaning 2018, Johnny and Rich, uh, whom he identifies as City Light and says... Um, well, he, he asked them what City of Light is about, and they said this. The vision of City of Light is to write songs with biblically rich lyrics and simple melodies for the Christian church to sing. We are very pleased to admit there's nothing particularly groundbreaking in what we do. There's nothing especially new or unique or fashionable. We're not on the forefront of anything and don't pretend to be. It's probably better to be 300 years out of date than three years out of date. So, uh, <laughs> pretty funny. Really true. Uh, the, the, the whole interview is clever and we'll put it in the show notes. But, uh, I think with this song, I think they did a good job of having biblically rich lyrics and simple melodies. And okay. those two might not necessarily be, um, common in worship music. Wouldn't you say? Call I it would. That's like, been my experience for sure. <laughs> many songs that are, uh, biblically questionable and many melodies that are uh, melodically questionable. So to combine the two, I think is not a simple feat necessarily. They, they go on also to say this. I thought this was interesting. The Sydney diocese is immensely careful to protect the truth of the gospel in its preaching and teaching. It values clarity of expression and faithfulness to scripture. And that very often admirable caution has extended to music in the diocese too. So they, it's, it seems like they have their songs, at least according to um, uh, Last FM's bio of them, uh, they have their songs proofread and evaluated by 
uh, musicians, but hymn writers and ministers in the Anglican church. That is well. wonderful. That's like, it's everybody did that. Okay. Here's, here, here it is. Critics of this podcast, if you want it gone, make sure that every church does what City of Light does yeah. and we will be totally irrelevant. Yeah, this does kind of make us obsolete, doesn't yeah. it? Although I think the problem is uh, that sort of a structure is only possible in a kind of hierarchical That's true. high church structure. If That's you have right. a congregationalist church where the pastor is kind of the be-all, end-all. Yeah, kind um, of Moses model. Yeah, uh, that, that would be very difficult to do. But And potentially could even be bad if the pastor's right. Like, it, yeah. like you get those, you get the elevation stuff where old... Uh, Ferdy. Old Ferdy is for some reason writing the songs or writing the sermons that inspire all the songs and i just invented a nickname for the newer listeners uh ferdy is steven fertick uh just to be clear and so yeah this song is he's a big fan of the show i hear oh yeah i'm sure he loves us uh this song strives and i think successfully to be biblically accurate uh and clear in its messaging. It's unfortunate that the title is very unclear because uh, <laughs> the rest of the song is quite clear. So uh, with that said, Colin, let me ask you an introductory. What is this song about? Uh, I think this is a song which I would best describe as a series of scripture-inspired metaphors that explain and expound upon a core truth that we find in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And that is, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, this is a song which uses scripture to expound upon the reality of being found in Christ and being saved by him and then being renewed by the knowledge and the outworking of that salvation each and every day until the day of perfection, the day of completion, when we are with God in heaven. This is a sentiment that, or at the very least, a structure that pops up throughout the Pauline letters. I'm glad you identified oh, yeah. this one in Galatians too. I found uh, a lot of lot of stuff like this too in First and Second Corinthians. Yeah, in First Corinthians 15, uh, Paul makes a similar declaration. He says, "By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, referring to the other apostles." Um, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So he uh, deliberately, and I think this song does too, minimizes his own centrality. He acknowledges that he is not central in this and then glorifies God, either the Son, Christ, or uh, he glorifies God by glorifying the grace of God. So with that said, Let's take a look at some of the verses. What gift of grace is Jesus my
What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. This verse uses language in a way that's a little bit particular, but that does occur in a few places. They, The song takes language which is almost cliche in the church and maybe creates an, an inversion or just swaps the words or replaces a word or two that just provokes a pause for a moment because it's almost familiar, but it's slightly different. So what gift of grace is Jesus? That's a, It's funny because we would think of grace as Jesus's gift. We would think of that as the other way around. Jesus is the giver of grace. But if you do think about it, there's a sensibleness to the idea that Christ is a gracious gift. Like Christ Christ gives grace, but he also is himself a gift of grace from the Father. So Christ is both giver and gift in a way. And I think the song, just by toying with the words a little bit, provokes some thought. Now, the thing is, practically speaking, the song's words come at you so quickly, you're probably not reflecting like that in real time when you're singing the song. But certainly upon reading the lyrics, this is one of many places where there's just a lot to peel off. I don't know what you thought about that line, Tyler. And when things have similar structures, but they're tweaked slightly, it makes you pay more attention and and not less because you're expecting something and, and it isn't acquired. And so, in fact, when I first read this line, uh, I was uh, a little bit concerned because I thought this this line, there is no more for heaven now yeah, to give. I thought, same here. <laughs> who dares right. put a limitation on heaven? But I think, I don't think this is a limitation. I think this is a description of the sufficiency Correct. of this gift of, Christ, of yeah. grace. Uh, Christ is all sufficient. We no longer need uh, a new sacrifice. Yeah. His atonement is once and for all. And so I think... Uh, to to identify this so clearly in in the beginning uh, is is really really cool and um I don't know there's something I I think maybe appreciable about something that initially comes across as um uh too daring because right. it would say something so concrete about about God and about heaven uh, but then once you think about it is expressing a beautiful truth right. about our Redeemer, that is, I think, commendable. Yeah, so, that's, that's what I think is so clever about the song, is what it's transgressing, what it's transgressing is not orthodoxy. It's just transgressing some of the euphemisms and cliches that we've used for, you know, in a good way to kind of sum up or capture larger concepts like, yeah, the grace of God or... Or, you know, the way that we might normally say is there's nothing more for me to give. We might say that. And that seems uncontroversial. But to say there's nothing more for heaven to give, it's like, well, wait, wait. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying there, right? You're saying that Jesus is perfect. And you're saying that redemption is, you know, uh, is, is complete. And there's no more punishment. There's no, you know, like... For, for for those who trust in Christ Jesus like this 
that's all true. Sometimes songs are confusing because they obfuscate something or they take a metaphor in a weird direction. This is not what's happening here. I think what's happening is there is a there and because it happens multiple times in the song, there I think there's a conscious subversion here again of colloquial church language. And that I think is a good thing. Yeah. Because we can tend to elevate those cliches and use them to the point where they don't have meaning anymore. And in fact, we kind of know that's happened if a song like this can kind of invert some of those ideas right. and force us to think. Right. And so this sentiment is really in unison with Christ's cry on the cross, it is finished. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's not saying that God could not give more. Um, it is saying it is Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. And I guess also logically you could say, well, what more could God give than the entirety of himself, right? Exactly. Uh, So a really, really clever line, I think. Yeah. And and I'd say, again, the rest of this line, the rest of this verse also has just simple and straightforward language. So Christ is the singer's joy and righteousness and freedom. Now, joy and righteousness, yep, makes a lot of sense. Here, initially, I thought, okay, freedom... This is one of those things we've talked about multiple times. Like there needs to be some- You don't like freedom, do you, Colin? I, <laughs> I, I'm such a Marxist. <laughs> you know, freedom, we like to see freedom quantified in some way or at least tied to something. And at first I, that kind of, so that kind of bothered me. But then it, as you go through the song, you realize there's a, there's some quantification here. And also the idea of God's love being faithful uh, and God's peace being- without limit so or without end like these are all true they're good things to say and it's nice to see them flow out of the idea of christ as redeemer and christ as perfect yeah absolutely and i would say um i think i'll uh maybe i'll I'll disagree with you slightly here at the beginning you said uh, it, it isn't quantified early on in the song, but it, okay. it becomes it, later. It becomes tied to Christ, yes. and I would say it's tied to Christ here. Sure, right? okay. He is my freedom. Yes, so that's okay. not saying I have uh, obtained freedom in a you know in a third universe yes. far away, and I can do whatever I want. It's it's saying my freedom is synonymous with my identity in Christ. So. You're very fair indeed, Tyler. That is, you're absolutely right. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. This is really powerful set of lines. So we have the explanation of why uh, heaven had nothing more to give because the person's only hope is... Okay, well, see again, here's another little inversion. We would think the person is saying, my only hope is Jesus. And there's a song called Jesus, My Only Hope. That's a more common way to construct 
the idea of hope in Jesus. But instead, the song says, my hope is only Jesus. Now, it's it's the same idea. Like, it, it, it it's not really different than saying, my only hope is Jesus. But again, just, just by changing the order of the words, it causes us to ponder just a second, oh, my hope is only Jesus. I think it could be a different sense even than my only hope is Jesus, right? If my only hope is Jesus, Jesus is the singular hope that I have, right? I have no other hope. But if my hope is only Jesus, now that could be singular, but that could also mean simply Jesus, yeah. right? There's, I, I have no um, grand yeah. lofty designs here or anything like that. I am making the simple plea of Christ. And both those meanings are Good. Really good, absolutely. Right? Those are really biblical. Those are biblical ideas. Uh, and then my life is wholly bound to His. That is true. And I like the idea of quantifying bound with that adverb, holy, w h o l l y. For those of you that are just listening and obviously don't have maybe the lyrics in front of you, but wholly bound to Him in in its entirety. Yeah, it's funny that the peace was boundless, but the life that I have is wholly bound mm-hmm. to his life. Yeah. So a nice little inversion of, of the same kind of concept, but using it in slightly in, in different ways. Yeah. And listeners, this is the kind of freedom that Colin likes. He likes freedom that is wholly bound to Christ. So <laughs> that's right. Is good. That is true. Um, oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine. What do you think that means? Um, I, I mean, I like this strange, peculiar, right? Divine, um, godly but what does it mean i can sing all is mine is this i have conquered everything or is i possess everything did we i don't remember we haven't reviewed the song all i have is christ have we no we will at some point i'm sure uh it it reminds me of that it reminds me of that so on the one i had a pastor who explained this really well i thought he said sometimes when we might say all i have is something we might initially think that that means that's kind of coming from a place of complaint, like, oh man, all I've got is this. But of course, what what that means, what that really means when we say all I have is Christ, what we really mean is Christ is my all. Like the, the only thing, the only thing of value, this, the consuming thing is Christ. And I think that's probably what's being described here, that all that I need, all that I could want, um, I have, I have everything in a sense in, in Christ. I think that's what this means. And that's, that is a strange thing. That is a thing that comes from God, divine thing as it were. And to be quite explicit, it doesn't come through me, but through Christ in me. So we've got that line at the end of each chorus that helps explain it. And that explains that here too. Yeah, this this reminds me a little bit of the beginning of the book of Colossians, mm-hmm. where Paul says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So if we hold that as true, which we do, then we can certainly say, I have all, because I have Christ. In him all things hold together. Yeah, this is, the song does this really well where it takes again big ideas like the preeminence of christ for example and just finds a nice way of summarizing it and saying it very simply 
really clever. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. Okay, this was maybe the first point at which I would have liked to have a bit more clarification, and there is a little bit provided in the chorus that's attached to this verse, but we have the night. The night is dark. What is the night? Right? I don't quite know what that is just from these words at least i don't think i do maybe you'll tell me that i'm wrong but i don't see what the night is like is it sin is it bad circumstances like night's a common euphemism in songs i'm not sure what it means here but there is at least a sense that whatever badness the night represents the worshiper isn't forsaken and that god as savior is ever present by the person's side. So, you know, it's not a bad thing. It just is a little vague. I might be touching one of the podcast sacred cows. Maybe that's worth, worth doing. Um, this doesn't bother me. And I wonder why, because typically we care quite a bit about yeah. specificity, but um, my question now is why you, as you said, rightly, this is a very common euphemism in songs, right? The mm. night and Typically, there's very little ambiguity about what it means. It means hardship, right? Usually, when when it's used in some of the songs that we've looked at, it's meant yeah, bad, yeah, hardship or suffering or something like that. But sometimes it just means like bad feelings too in some songs. Sure. Now, I suppose maybe one reason it wouldn't bother you here is because so much of the song is well explained, and I do think the metaphor that is being drawn on here does get explained later. Like this is a shepherd sheep metaphor. And so it does start to make sense that, okay, the night is a, a way of referring to like uncertainty or a lack of clarity about a journey like that the shepherd is taking the sheep on. So it does kind of get explained a little bit, or at least the metaphor gives it a, a bit of texture, I guess. Even if it's not tied to something theological, it is tied to something biblical. Yeah, and I think the biblical reference here may be under the surface, Psalm 23, where we have yeah, a night, we have a mm-hmm. valley, we have, well, we'll have a valley later, shadow, we yeah. have a shepherd leading us, and then we have a feast and right. anointing our head with oil. Right. Um, so, 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 so in that sense, like it does come from the Bible. And I, actually, I should just clarify briefly what I mean by distinguishing between biblical and theological. You can have a metaphor, like the Bible uses all sorts of metaphors. And so you could have language in a song that is biblical in that it uses language that the Bible uses. But that doesn't necessarily, automatically at least, mean that the biblical language is also theological. Like just because, for example, the concept of the night appears in the Bible doesn't mean that every song that uses the night is saying something about God or certainly saying something clear about God or about his church or whatever. 
So, well, it'd have to be about God because I'm talking about theology. But anyway, but here I do think that in the end, especially when combined with what comes next, there is something that is said about God. It's just, again, this may be persnickety point. It would be nice to have it. I, I, you know, I always prefer my, 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 my prejudice is always to have things a bit more fleshed out. It feels weird saying that in a song that is so good on the whole at fleshing things out, but nevertheless, you know, yeah. Can't get swept away in how happy I am with the rest of the song. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's fair. And I think, uh, in your defense, say, let's say this is Psalm 23. I think it is under the surface here. Psalm 23 doesn't just say shadow. It doesn't just say dark, right? It's mm. the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. So we get a very clear idea of what this shadow is. And, yeah. uh, let's, let's go on to those later verses and see, uh, what's, what's happening. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. We see here, right, that the metaphor is about sheep and a shepherd, which really makes sense. God is the shepherd. This is biblical. And he does lead us. And again, we have Psalm 23, just as you've said, we also have Christ using the same idea numerous times. I mean, calling himself the good shepherd, uh, calling himself the gate by which the sheep enter. I mean, he uses the common occupation of shepherding, which would have been you know, well understood in the historical context in which Christ lived. He uses that to really help explain God and and of course, it's again, it comes out of the Old Testament too, because obviously Israel was a has, had been a shepherding people, as it were, for for millennia. So really good here, and it helps explain the night because we've got the night again. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. So the night is, um, a, a kind of challenge or a kind of um. Yeah, it's like an obstacle of some kind that needs to be overcome. And in Christ, it is overcome. So, pretty good. I meant to bring this up the first time this refrain came around, and it said, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Of course, we both mentioned passages in Scripture that minimize the contribution of the individual and magnify the contribution of God. But if we were just to look at these words, what do they mean? What, what does this mean? Yet not I, but through Christ in me. To take it in context, I shall overcome. Good, understand. Yet not I. Okay, we're clear so far. Who shall overcome? Oh, well, that actually isn't answered, right? The, the latter half of that refrain is, but through Christ in me. There's, in this phrase, a um, there's a predicate missing that... Uh, would be very, very useful. So, um, but through Christ in me, 
I shall conquer or something like that. But sure. through Christ in me, um, Christ shall conquer or, or something like God shall conquer through Christ in me or something like that, that gives it clarity. But as it is, we have um, this conjunction yet, not I. So not I, I am not the subject of the sentence, but we have a, another conjunction through Christ. So that's a, a prepositional phrase describing how it happens in me. That's modifying Christ. So Christ is in me. We have more information in a prepositional phrase, but we never really find out what the true subject is because all we have is this not subject. Right. <laughs> so there's a suppressed subject here. And I would really much like to know what it is. What do you think, Colin? What do you well, think it is? Okay. I First of all, let me say I agree with you. And it is in some sense an irony that a song which does such a good job, not demolishing existing language, but at Smashing least, language <laughs> with the sledgehammer of the gospel. But, you know, it at least, uh, I don't know, it at least provokes new thinking about old language or traditional or conventional language. So it's ironic that it, while doing that, it also kind of creates a little catchphrase out of this yet not I, but through Christ and me, which itself probably does need more amplification. It's implied. So what I think is being implied to get to your question, what I think is being implied is that whatever has just been said, whatever truth that has just been said which, and most of the verses, most of the stanzas in this song describe how God delivers a person or saves a person or provides something in some way for a person. And I think what's meant here is, okay, well, whatever good thing was just described that happened to a person, that didn't happen because of the person. That happened because of Christ right. in the person. That makes perfect sense to me. And yeah. so... If if I may, yeah, it sounds like you're saying that it is not I, but it is Christ, right? And that yes. would be exactly what you read in Galatians two twenty, exactly. right? It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or in First Corinthians fifteen, uh, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. You see, it substitutes I for a noun that is the subject. But unfortunately, this refrain is. Uh, there, there's no subject introduced. It's yet it, not I, but through Christ in me. Now, I don't know why you need the through. Yeah. Because if you just had yet not I, but Christ in me, I, Christ yeah. is the subject. Sure. I think the through may be necessary for uh, syllable Syllables. counting, <laughs> but I think there's another, you know, you could probably put another word in there that does not mess things up in this way. So I guess that's just my, my very yeah, fine, yeah. Uh, but I think legitimate concern with this. It's that it's... <laughs> It doesn't really make grammatical sense. And then perplexingly, they chose it as the title. It, it would be It's like the one thing in the song that doesn't fit together I agree. grammatically. And no, then they, they make it the most uh, prominent. It would be fascinating if, say, the way that this song works, just the various aspects of this song, were to become popular in Christian music, including some of its phraseology... And in 50 years time, maybe the descendants of the people that wrote this song would then write some song that picked apart, yet not I, but through Christ. Oh, me. wow. Right. There would be echoes of this. Yeah. And then there, there could be a podcast which evaluates <laughs> podcasts, which evaluate worship music. That may happen, Tyler. I mean, being a historian, I have to tell you, right? Much of my work 
is evaluating the historical writing of other historians. And even my sources from like the Roman Empire, for example, are many of them are historians who wrote histories of the Rome. I mean, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's endless cycles. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future, sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave. A slight variation in language here that, in my view, is really, really effective. A lot of worship songs will talk about forgiveness by saying things like, by by talking about how God offers forgiveness in Christ, or maybe how the worshiper desires forgiveness. But it's less common. We have reviewed songs that do say this, but it is less common for a song to make a simple statement about being forgiven, like being in the state, the state of being of forgiveness. And this song does that. And it also adds, I know I am forgiven. This is just a non-speculative, non-subjunctive way of saying, of articulating the true status of a believer. It just removes all the anxiety out of it. In fact, I think a lot of worship songs that we have reviewed at least use anxiety actually in kind of a negative way. Like they actually really put the singer in a in a state of anxiety before solving that problem but this song just doesn't really do that this song is really all about assurance and this is a, a moment of assurance here i know i am forgiven um now you could also just say i am forgiven that's true and you don't have to use the knowledge of the person as a gateway into forgiveness but to me this is a, in a song that has a lot of objective truth, I think this is a nice use of the subjective. Like, I know I am forgiven. And when you're singing this song, you can sing that. And by singing that, you're kind of reminding yourself of something that you actually know. This is a good thing. Uh, I like here that we have the idea of the need for forgiveness, of course, too, uh, and the idea of forgiveness as a state of being leading to a sure future and also assurance that a price was paid. And, and again, nice idea of there needing to be a price and that Christ has paid it. And we see in the song exactly how Christ has paid that through bleeding and suffering for my pardon. And now it's not, the song doesn't say pardon from God, who was obviously wrathful against sin, but I don't doesn't necessarily have to say that I think but we do have a sense that a people that we needed pardon that there was a weight of debt a weight of guilt that there was a judgment against us and we needed pardon from it and then Christ was raised to overthrow the grave so all really good in my view what do you think about this Tyler 
I agree with your uh, analysis of this objectivity. I know I am forgiven. Yes, it is mediated by the knowledge of the individual, but it is it is very different than if it were to say, I feel I am forgiven or exactly, something like that. Exactly, yeah. Or even, actually, I think this is kind of radical, but it's even stronger than saying, you say I am forgiven. Yeah. Because if you don't ground that in a statement and all your proclamations are true, well, then it's just sure. one more voice in a chorus of, of a bunch. So, um, yeah, it's it's very good that it declares this. I, I do wish that it had said, the song had said uh, that Jesus died. Now, of course, sure. what does it mean that he raised <laughs> if he didn't die? I get that. At the same time, uh, he did. He bled, yes. He suffered, yes, but he also died. Sure, that's a uh, fair for point. For my pardon. Yeah. Um, and I, I get that that can be implied. I'm just saying it, it could be. There's um in uh, How Great Thou Art, right? He bled and died. Yes. And to this is missing sin, here. Yeah. yeah, to take away my sin. I think that's a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, that may even be a shout out here. He bled and suffered. But- um, Could be. It's It's great that he's raised and then- Death itself is defeated, and they accomplish this in three words: overthrow the grave. Nice. Right, this is a victory here. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Okay, so we get some more substance to some concepts that were brought up earlier. So we know now that sin was the problem earlier when we looked at some different kinds of problems, maybe not the night, but, but it's sort of, okay, we needed when, when this stanza earlier was speaking about a need for pardon and a price to be paid and all that sin was the, was the problem and it has been defeated. And I like the idea of this continuing work of Christ's sacrifice. Jesus now and ever is my plea. So it's not, it's not that Christ had a one-time offering for one-time sin. Christ's sacrifice pays for sin continually and we can plea upon the work of christ continually and receive forgiveness so therefore i am free therefore Mm -hmm. the chains are released Mm -hmm. because um we are free in christ perpetually because of his work so it just, again, it just helps explain that idea of freedom that was brought up earlier. Sin is nice to, or sin, speaking about sin in this way helps fill in some of the language earlier. I'm really happy with this. Yeah, I agree. And again, I just wish that this last line were better because when it says, I can sing, I am free, yet not I. Well, <laughs> I think that's actually actually false. Right. I can sing this. Yeah. Um, I, but because course, they have to, because they have know, to say the same thing over and over again, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense yes. based on what you just said. <laughs> it yeah. is a refrain. Yeah, I get that. But it's like, if you're going to substitute the subject for the subject, that's fine. If you're going to substitute the, the object of a preposition for the object of a preposition, that's fine. 
but you can't substitute an object of a preposition for a subject. And this Don't you know that, people? <laughs> Come on. So anyway, I can sing. Yes, I, I get that it's saying not through my merit or through my yeah. work or through my accomplishments. But again, notice how I said through my, through my each time because yeah, that's because substituting subject, like yeah. things. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. Many songs or, or many sermons, we, we, he, we know that following Jesus is something we should do. It's not always clear what that means. And well, lots of Christians struggle with, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Or like, it implies a question, well, where are we following him to? This song tells us, I long to follow Jesus for he has said he will bring me home. Oh, I follow Jesus because he's actually taking me home. If I now belong to God, if I'm in God's family, if like that, that is, that is then where I need to go. It's a great expansion upon what Jesus says in John 14, verse six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus does is he doesn't just save us to be be saved or just sort of be autonomous, right? He saves us so that he can bring us to himself, bring us to God. Um, And this song makes that clear. We don't, following Jesus doesn't just mean doing good things like Jesus does. I think a lot of Christians think that when they hear, you're supposed to follow Jesus. They think, oh, that means I need to behave in the way that Jesus lived. And yeah, you do. Yes, that's true. But we're actually following Jesus to somewhere. We're following him to be with God forever. Like it's both the journey to be with Jesus and walk with him, but it's also the destination to go to be with him forever. And this song really captures that well. And, you know, and, 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 and then expounds upon it further by saying, and day by day, I know he will renew me. So again, that's that journey part, right? We walk with Jesus to go home and on the journey, he renews us. We don't get tired. We don't get weary because we're in Christ. Obviously Christians struggle with tiredness and weariness in a temporal sense, but in another sense, because we have assurance from Christ, we have a deep joy, right, that propels us on our walk. And I think this song is saying that again, uh, and, and and it goes all the way until we stand before the the throne of God. Yeah, and it's nice that it progresses here from this following action to standing before God's throne.
To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. So again, we have that that inversion, my hope is only Jesus, rather than my only hope is Jesus. Same thing, but just provokes a bit more thought, or provokes additional thought, I guess you could say. And I really like that the song here expounds upon the tag. It expounds upon that that line that got repeated. So we've been saying, yet not I, but through Christ in me, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And here the song says, all the glory evermore to him. The race is complete. My lips shall repeat, yet not I, through Christ in me. So ultimately, all of these things that are happening, our salvation, Christ taking us home, the assurance we receive day by day in our walk with Christ as we follow him, uh, our, you know, the, from moment of salvation to the moment we stand before his throne, this brings glory to him forever. Mm-hmm. So, and again, this is often missing in worship songs, even worship songs that are great on explaining God's love for us, God's sacrifice. They end with us still. They don't go into this, the bigger point of all this, which is for God's glory. And this song really majors on that. And for this, I I really do commend the song. Yeah, it ascribes all glory. So this is a universal quantifier, all of it, evermore. So it's universal in, in that it uh, encompasses all the glory. And then it's it's uh, into perpetuity continuing that way. It's, it's really, really clever. Um, I also, I wondered here if there was a reference to Jesus paid it all because it also rhymes complete with repeat, even with my lips shall still repeat. Now the words are moved around here a bit, still my lips shall repeat, but Mm -hmm. that's really close. (laughs) Remember Jesus paid it all? Yeah. And when before the throne, I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. And it again, just changes the word order just a smidge, right? Absolutely. Clever. Okay. Well, with that said, Colin, do you have any concluding remarks? Obviously, I... Sounds like you hated this song. Yeah, obviously, I really like this song. And I, in fact, I'll even say this. I mean, we've reviewed... I don't know how many songs we've reviewed, Tyler. 60, 70 songs, something like that. Um, at this point, it's so many. In fact, I was looking at songs the other day, and I was like, oh, that'd be a good song to review. And then I looked back, oh, yeah, we did that. Like, along, like So we've reviewed so many songs now that I've forgotten some of them. Yeah, well... Yet not us, but through the podcast. <laughs> That's true. This is the nice thing about getting older as I approach my 40th year. Uh, it's like you can watch films again because you've forgotten them. You'll, 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 you'll figure this out in a few years. It's, it's great. It's wonderful. Um, I wonder what's going to happen to Frodo this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of, 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 I think, the songs that we've reviewed, this, this is one of the best in my view. I, I'm really pleased with it and i'm really pleased that it's widely sung this song came up on our radar because it's in the ccli top 100 which means a lot of churches are singing this music that makes me really happy praise god yeah and i'll also say just a little we occasionally talk about like the music video or whatever the music video i saw the other i mean i have to say this won me over too like people are worshiping in the music video but there's no like people are wearing pretty plain clothes they're young people but they're not like showy they're not like wearing a bunch of jewelry or like i don't know just 
they're just not drawing attention to themselves, really. I mean, obviously, it's a video that shows them performing the song, but I don't know, in the music, too, the music is really good. Like, these are good musicians, and the song is, well, it's like a pleasure to listen to, but it's in no way distracting. I was really pleased to see that the music video, the way the song was presented visually, matched, in my view, the kind of words and the the kind of unassumingness of of the song itself yeah really pleased with this it, it it's a true live performance the yeah. the most prominent youtube video and and i think we take this for granted but one of the telltale signs the audience is not lit up in this yeah. music video they're dark i mean you have to really focus to see the people made out in the kind of i mean they're they're obviously lit from the glow of the stage but uh, and this song is lit yeah <laughs> yeah well well said well said. But yeah, there's really nothing ostentatious about the presentation of the music or anything like that. Okay, yeah. with that said, Colin, what would you give this? Uh, I gave this song five out of five pearly whites. Pearly whites. Yeah, and so there was one tiny thing that stuck out to me in the video, and it's just, I, so I had a pastor who once, so again, I led a lot of worship, and this pastor you was did really- what? Yeah, this pastor was really big on- um, he would always talk to the worship, not always, he often talked to the worship team about, you know, make sure that you're smiling, you know, make sure that you're, you look like you're having fun out there kind of thing. And don't say it. We're going to have the same thing, I think. Go ahead. Anyway. And, and so there was this, in particular, there was this like guitar or bass guitar player on the stage and he just would like had this grin on his face the whole time and you could just see his teeth. It was just amazing. And, <laughs> It just stuck out to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. What was your rating, Tyler? I listeners, this is significant. We don't have any communication about the song. We do not talk at all, except, apart from agreeing what song to review. I don't know. There's probably some. Are you going to tell psychology. me that you? I gave it five out of five. Cheerful bass players, because <laughs> this guy is beaming and there's nothing artificial about it no, either. He's, he's just yeah. he's so happy. It's like one of the rare. Rare moments where someone's smiling on stage, but they're not, uh, it doesn't look like they're performing a no, smile. No, He's really, he he knows the notes that he's got to play on his bass. He's looking out into the crowd. He's just nodding his yeah. head, bobbing it and beaming. Yeah. So I, I thought five out of five cheerful bass players because the guy looks so happy. So I suppose that's a good thing. <laughs> if something is going to stick out on your music video about Christian worship, it would be good that the thing that stuck out was organic you know, your happiness. Kind of, yeah, your actual natural happiness. Yeah. It. Uh, I also thought he looked up quite a bit like me. Uh, he does look a little bit like you. That's true. <laughs> I just I don't think my teeth are as white. And Tyler uh, looks quite a bit like Thor, actually, in the Marvel films. So that gives you there's a connection there too. And that guy looks like Thor. Yeah, he was pretty tall. He was like yeah. Tyler's not tall though. I'm not very tall. No. All right. Well, with that being said, <laughs> listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate your listenership. We ask that you would uh, share us with those who you think might be interested in complex theological discussions about worship music, because I think they need to happen more often. So we're yeah. glad to be a part of that. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.